Let me ask you a question. Do you have a deep knowing that you're only just scratching the surface of where you're capable of taking your business growth? Are you successful but have some invisible hurdles that are slowing you down? Business growth comes from creating and implementing strategies and frameworks, but strategies and frameworks on their own will not take you to the level I know you desire and are capable of. Living in alignment with your unique human design will help you to attract the abundance you are ready for. And I've just created a free guide to help you understand your unique human design blueprint. It's called the Human Design Advantage, and you can get your copy over at samanthariley.global forward slash advantage. I always hire for culture first, because if you hire for culture, the skill level grows and the team together produces a higher skill than an individual with a skill. So it's always important to know that the skill level is the culmination of a team, not an individual. It's always higher for culture first. My name is Samantha Riley, and this is the podcast for coaches, course creators, and experts who want to grow their influence, income, and impact to take their coaching business to a million dollars and beyond. We're going to share the latest business growth, marketing, and leadership strategies, as well as discussing how you can use your human design to create success in business and life, inside and out. Create the influence, income, and impact you need to build your business so you can create your ideal lifestyle. It's time to make a difference and scale up. This is the Influence by Design podcast. Welcome to today's episode of Influence by Design. I'm your host, Samantha Riley, and today I'm being joined by someone that has built an amazing company. I've known her for quite a lot of years. We met through a business group that we're in probably about 10 years ago. And today we're going to talk about how she's built the culture in her business. So welcome to the show, Danielle. It's great to have you here. Thanks so much, Samantha. Pleasure. Before we jump in, I'd love you to share what your business is and kind of how you got to what you're doing now, because it is a very cool business model that I have not heard anyone else do quite the way that you do it. Thank you. Well, despite the fact of being firmly implanted into the category of being a middle-aged woman, one thinks that <laughs> one's meant to know what one's doing by this age. No different to a 20-year-old. It kind of just unfolded. But uh-huh. as I start my story, I didn't wake up one day and think, I just want to work in India and that's my life's calling. So unlike so many people that think that happens, I'm no different to anybody else. You go on life's journey and some people make the most and make the least of different opportunities that present themselves in front of them. And I'm just one of those people that happen to have it unfold. And so I think nearly everybody on the planet if you ask them what they're doing now when they're at school, did you think you'd be doing that? The answer would be no. And so no, different life opportunities and uh, situations arise as we journey through life. So my business is called COCO, K-O-C-O, and that stands for Knit One, Change One. And the reality is it's Knit One Garment, Change One Life. Mm-hmm. So for a living, I go into rural villages in southern India find women who have never been to school and teach them a trade. The trade happens to be hand knitting and to hand knit, you have to be able to speak and read English and do maths. So because of that, 
we break the financial and education and the flow on is the domestic violence cycle of every village we enter. So if you ask me what I do for a living, we're a garment manufacturing company. So mm -hmm. we provide garments to fashion brands all over the world. Mm -hmm. But as I say to the fashion brands, it's number one at the top of your list that you get immaculately made garments at a commercial price. And that's what we provide. However, scratch the surface a little bit deeper. And my real business is to make sure that all the women that we employ have work all the time, because if they don't, as a business, we go broke and mm -hmm. they can't feed themselves. So we work hand in hand to do that. And it started just from purely selfish means. I was not an altruistic do-gooder or anything like that. I have an academic background. I have a background in music. I have a PhD in music theory analysis. And then I changed careers at age 40, thinking I never wanted to be one of these people six foot under butt. And so I did open a fashion business here in Australia and the legislation changed under the Gillard government that made it prohibitive for carrying out commercial work at home. So at that point in time, I had to look for another country. Somebody just introduced me to somebody in southern India and me being me, I just said, I'm coming. So I flew over there just blind. He introduced me to 10 ladies and I started the business just like that. So I met the 10 ladies and that night I walked up and down the streets of the nearest major city looking for the word accountant in English and for somebody who could speak English and went in there and said, I want to start a business, will you open it? And so you won't need me to tell you, you know, in India you get ripped off a thousand times so we change accountants every year. Um, as I get wiser and better at it every year that it goes on, but you have to start somewhere, right? So um, that's how the whole thing started and that's what I do. It's such an incredible story because what came out, you know, my first thought was how did you come up with knit one, change one, you know, where it just happened so, so organically, like incredible story. People do come into your life. I'm a big believer in people come in for different reasons throughout your life. How did you go from starting it to coming up with the idea of knit one, change one? How much like after the fact that you were looking for your accountant in India, did you start to realize what it was turning into? Well, so the way that it evolved was I started knitting for my own brand and I just fell in love with these women. Mm. So, you know, when you, go to a party or you go anywhere, you look in a room and think, I don't want to talk to this person. I do want to talk to this person. So there was a connection from the very beginning. So mm. on the plane, on the way home, I thought, I can't have them knit just for my brand. I'll never have enough work. The only way I can influence, employ a lot of people is to shut down my own brand and knit for lots of brands. So I started to knit for a lot of brands. And two or three or four years along, people would say, you're amazing doing that. And I'm like, not really. I just <laughs> went there for purely selfish reasons. I needed to look for women to hand knit. Like, yes. And that's all I could find. But then it took quite a few years for me to slowly see the transformation in these ladies that you could see through the years that as they got more money and became more upwardly mobile, they no do 
no different to what you and I do. They get their mm. nails painted. They buy nail polish. They buy a new sari. They buy a new dress. No different to you and I. And the fact that they're the same as you and I made the attraction to me even greater and want to do more because these are just normal people like you and I. Mm. As I noticed them growing and changing and then, you know, their children grow and change and then their children would come up to me and say, hello, Danielle, my mum wants me to tell you because of you I can speak English. Wow. So I started to realise then, wow, over time this is actually going to have a big impact and it wasn't me who actually came up with the name. It's everything that I've ever done is a collaboration with a team. And so it's like, no, one person will make one garment. And so it was from telling that story that we came up with that name. And it was quite a few years down the track. So cool. Let's talk about culture because I think that culture is such an important part of business. And as entrepreneurs, we've got so much more opportunity to really make sure that our culture is really doing good moving forward. And I think it's something that the corporates have lost along the way and they use culture as a word rather than a feeling you have built an amazing culture in your team how have you done that moving forward from I guess those first 10 women that you spoke to how did the culture evolve and what have you done to build the culture in your company I guess like the journey of the business when you start a business of course it's highly influenced by your own personality. Mm -hmm. So from the very beginning, it had that me stamp on it. And it started from the fact that I was in a place that I had never been to before. I guess the people you work with are influenced by your personality from the very beginning. So when I met these ladies, obviously I had to find a translator because I couldn't speak Tamil and they couldn't speak English. But mm-hmm. there was mutual respect from the very beginning. I started with 10 by saying, you know, you've got black skin and I've got white skin, so we're different. But we're all human beings, so we're the same. So mm-hmm. I'd like to get to know you. Can we go around the circle and can you tell me How many people live under your roof? How many children you have? Is there a school in your village? Then the question was, so if your child went to school, what time would you like to start work? What time would you like to finish work? Unlike most business owners who go in and say, this is what I want. And Mm -hmm. I think the key to being a successful leader with a fabulous culture is to know when to have what at the right time. And that Mm. does take quite a bit of refined skill. So I let the ladies choose their own hours. But once they chose them, if they were late, I was ruthless. (laughs) It's an equal give and take forming a culture. The very next day when we started work, when they chose nine and arrived at 10 past nine, I spent the next 30 minutes going around the circle saying, what time did you say we start? I didn't go in and say, we said at nine o'clock, where were you? So Mm -hmm. I immediately handed it back to them to be responsible to actually own the time that they chose. 
from the very beginning, there was that mutual respect that we've always had between us, starting with choosing those hours. Mm. We talked about this before we started recording, the difference between having a team that's onshore and having a team that's offshore. All of my team's offshore as well. A lot of people are very surprised that my team runs as tight a ship as they do offshore. I've also, like you, run teams onshore. So I would love to hear the differences for you with running an offshore and onshore team and what differences you've had to implement in building that culture, you know, building that team offshore. Well, I think when we say onshore, it means coming to an office and showing up in person. Yes. As opposed to remote I live in Sydney and you live in Melbourne and we're onshore. So I'm just going to clarify that onshore actually means showing up in person to the office and the other means remote working because Mm -hmm. remote working doesn't matter if you're in the same country or a different country. Good point. So I just want to make that explicit first. I make it explicit in the interview things like, I know that we don't know each other at this point in time and you don't know what I'm like and I don't know whether you're reliable or not and you might be an amazing worker and not be reliable or you might be very reliable and be a terrible worker and not be very accurate. And because we don't know each other, the first three months are going to be a trial. And I want to tell you, Whilst I say three months, I will know the answer to that by the end of the first 10 days. So you don't have to worry if you're going to have to look for another job after three months. We will have it all sorted out pretty soon to know whether it's a fit or not. Does Mm -hmm. that work for you? And the reason I make that explicit is because the next sentence then goes along the lines of, When you work from home, there are lots of benefits and lots of downsides. Can you tell me the benefits that you see, please? Mm. So, Samantha, can we just be cheeky here and pretend that you're one of the offshore staff for a minute? Mm -hmm. And can you tell me maximum three benefits of working from home, please? Well, it would be that I could take my child to school, that I would have flexibility to be able to pick them up from school and I'm around to see my children. Yeah, so that's 100% correct. So the key word that I get to take away from that is flexibility. Mm -hmm. So on one hand, it's really flexible. So if your child was homesick in the day, and you're working from home, unless you tell me, I actually don't know if you're at work or not. Mm. If you wanted to start work at 9.30 instead of 9, unless you tell me, I don't know. Mm -hmm. So on one hand, I'm going to pretend that you're the person that I'm interviewing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because you asked me the difference of how to manage office or staff. Totally. So I make the business of deceit explicit from the very beginning. Mm. So if you did that and you didn't tell me, I would never know. 
And on one hand, that's really okay with me as long as you get your work done. But on the other hand, if you want to work with me a long time and you don't tell me those things because you don't want to tell me that you're going to be at work late because you've got to care with your child because you're scared you're going to get into trouble. So you're either Mm. not telling me because you're intentionally a liar or you're not telling me because you want to do the right thing and you're scared you're going to get into trouble. But I want to ask you, how long do you think you want to work with me? Like for, is this a year and you'll just see or you've never worked from home and you just want to see what it's like to see if it works for you? Like, tell me more about your plans, what you would want. Mm, Well, I want a stable job because I want to be able to support my children. So it's a long-term thing. Yes. So if we're going to work together long-term, the fact that you work from home, it's a bit like a family, isn't it? So if I trust you and you trust me, we're going to be holding hands together for a very long time because mark my words, I will find out if you come to work late and don't tell me, maybe not the first time. You might have to do it 10 times before I want something and there's no answer. But mark my words, I've been in business a long time and I will eventually find that out. So tell me how you think this is going to play out. So I get all this unpacked before we even start. So I'm really clear that we've got a hand-in-hand transparent culture. Mm. Do your ladies the people that knit for you, do they know each other? Do they meet? Do you have virtual meetings? What does this look like on a a weekly or a monthly basis as a team? Yeah, so I'm going to champion that by saying we've been awarded by B Corp or named by B Corp as being one of the best in the world for building communities, which is I call an honour for building strong teams, which is why I put my hand up for this. So we meet weekly Mm -hmm. and I know them all, even if they started when I'm here. Mm -hmm. So it's like I get a translator, what's your name, have you ever been to work before, and I make it my point to speak to them all regularly. Now, this word regularly changes depending on how many staff I have. Regularly might mean once a month if there's a few regularly might mean once a year if there's a lot but nevertheless Mm -hmm. I still know what's going on because I'd know it from somebody else because they all tell me everything anyway like if I don't hear it from them it's like Danielle did you know that so and so blah 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 because you know women are no different the world around right so as I joke with them listen I can tell you if you left for breakfast late this morning they're like, uh-huh, how did you uh-huh. know that? And I'm like, well, Samitra was at work and she told me that you weren't there. <laughs> so you get to know all of it and it's very much give and take. So I'm really okay if they come late because when we have big orders, it's like what goes around comes around once you've got that transparent culture, right? So once we have big orders, they're like, oh, no, we'll stay until this is finished. It's totally okay. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, we're both equally loyal and uh, supportive of each other's journeys. 
Mm, I love that so much. So you you actually, I'm assuming when you were talking about talking to the ladies about trust, that this is more in the onboarding rather than the interview? Well, it's interesting because the boundaries between those are quite blurred in India mm-hmm. and we have sort of levels. So there, there are all the ladies that knit. Because I can't go there anymore because of coronavirus, we've got another level of what I call overseas seers, administrators, quality controllers, and all of those people. And within the knitters, from the very beginning, they were their own HR. Like I remember Mm -hmm. within the first two months of being there, the girls would say, Danielle, I don't want that woman here. (laughs) (laughs) It's like high school. (laughs) It was. And so I would actually go to the trouble of getting a translator and saying, tell me why. So I had to figure out if it was a high school fight or really it wasn't okay. Mm. So they got to know my values and at the end of the day, they are the ones that tell me, Danielle, this happened. She doesn't fit our company. Mm. Don't interview Mm -hmm. that person. She's not right for our company. They Mm. tell me. Mm. It's so, so important to when you're hiring and you already have a team in place to hire for the team. This is something that I learned really, really quickly. People, I think, often hire for skills. But when I'm doing the interview process, I'm already thinking, is this particular personality going to fit in with the team that we've already got in place? Because there was someone just for example it was probably about a year ago the person that i was hiring was very a very d type personality in the disc profile very dominant very outspoken the the answers that she was giving in the interview were that you know it's her rules or no rules and we have the most amazing project manager in place that gets on with the team and leon and i just looked at each other and went she's not going to fit Her skills were, she ticked every box, but it wasn't going to fit. So how do you, when your team doesn't know this new person, how do you get the feeling that she's going to fit the team or not? It's a good question and surprise, surprise, you know, I and the team have made mistakes along the way, but the mistakes (laughs) are sorted out quite quickly, but Mm -hmm. it's well known and I always hire for culture first. Because Mm. if you hire for culture, the skill level grows and the team together produces a higher skill than an individual with a skill. Mm -hmm. So it's always important to know that the skill level is the culmination of a team, not an individual. So you have, it's always hire for culture first. The way you described that was absolute gold. And I will be going back and listening to that again because... (laughs) Because what you said then was just, I've never been able to articulate it, but you articulated it really well. When you get the culture working really well, their skill level lifts. Um, Leon and I, we only just interviewed for a new team member last night. We hired them this morning. And one of the things that we were saying was it's incredible that our team, and you you just mentioned it then as well, when something doesn't go right, Um, or there's a really high demand, they will work to make sure that our clients are looked after. And I've seen their messages. You don't even have to ask them. 
I don't say a word because actually, and let me take it even back. We talk about our culture in our job description when we advertise. So we advertise on a website. I'll ask you in a little bit about how you find your ladies. But what I started to do was put our values and what we're all about, that we we want to treat our clients with world-class service. That is before anything about what the job is, you know, what skills is required, what days, hours, remuneration, any of that right at the top. And we've found that since we start doing that, it has really changed the people that apply and the ideas of what they have coming in. How do you find your team and are you bringing the culture in in the same way right from the beginning? Yes. As far as bringing the culture right in from the beginning, the answer is yes. And that's takes us back to the beginning of this interview when I explained to you how we met and the hours. So that sets the culture of them knowing that I respect what they want as well as them respecting what I want from the very beginning. The culture comes from the very, very second. So a silly example, well, it's not silly, it's it's what I do and it works. So as you know, I work in India. For the leadership skills, the leadership positions, they have to have a laptop, otherwise the whole thing doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So as part of the interview, I say, do you have WhatsApp on your laptop? Now, God only knows whether they answer me yes or no, if they're telling (laughs) the truth or not. Mm -hmm. If they say no, I'll say, please put it on your laptop. Mm -hmm. And I'll send you a Zoom link via WhatsApp and we can join. Now, from the very beginning, you can tell if somebody actually has the Zoom on their phone or their laptop. Mm -hmm. So half the staff that I interview would rock up with the Zoom on their phone. Mm -hmm. So I never give the job to those people, even Mm -hmm. from the first go. So before they even join, I've already made explicit you need to press the Zoom link so that you join on your laptop. Mm -hmm. So when we go, it's like, hello, you know, whatever their name is. My name's Danielle. Thank you for joining this. I can see that you've joined the Zoom on your phone. Yes. Can you please read to me what I said on the laptop? Oh, I'm so sorry. Yep, thank you, but you are not suited for our company. So I'm quite Mm. ruthless from the very beginning. After they do that and they click on the Zoom link, some of them have a Wi-Fi connection that's immediate. Some of them, it takes them like, seems like a lifetime, but it's probably only five (laughs) or ten minutes. But because I sit here and do it all day, it's like you're wasting my time. I get quite aggravated. But, (laughs) you know, if, if they can't join, I say to them, your Wi-Fi is not okay. So when your Wi-Fi is not okay, I can't tell if you're suitable to work with us or not. Mm. If you want a job with this company, I'm not going to promise you anything, but I'll give you a second chance of an interview after you have your Wi-Fi fixed. Mm -hmm. So the ones that I interview from the very beginning, it's kind of like when you meet people or if you're dating, it's like if it's in the flow and it all works, it's pretty good. It's a good Mm -hmm. sign. If there's any sign that it feels a bit off kilter and all this is sorted out 
before we get to their skill level. And Mm. people listening to this who have teams in their own country, like in Australia, and don't work in India, could easily say, but this is not applicable to us, Danielle. But it is. Because if they show up on time, and if they're there, the minute that you see them on Zoom, are they like, hi, Samantha, so nice to see you? Or are they like, hello? (laughs) Like, it all helps. And you can tell from the very first three minutes, it's no different to when you meet somebody at a party or remote about their personality. And so many people, when they're interviewing people, think that that doesn't matter because they give excuses for it. Oh, it was nervous. Oh, it's Zoom. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. But that kind of sets the premise for what's to unfold. Mm, Totally. Now, at the beginning of the pandemic, obviously you had a large team that was in India. We all know what's happened across the world. We don't need to talk about that. But you had a large, (laughs) we're all over it. Um, You had a very large team. And can you just explain what had to happen and what happened in your business and what needed to change very quickly? Yeah, so I employed 250 people. They're all offshore. And as you so articulately said, we all know what happened. So (laughs) the plane stopped flying. And, you know, I can wear many hats. I can say I'm a supporter of women getting education. I could say that my business is a hand-knit manufacturer. But in that instance, my business is an import-export business. Mm. No planes, no business Can't import and export without a plane. Mm. (laughs) So that came to a grinding halt. Um, But because I have been doing this for many years, the ladies are loyal to me, very loyal to me, through we've been through a lot of things together, lots of joys, lots of births, lots of celebrations, lots of special moments in their life. But we've been through suicides together. We've been through deaths together. We've been through lots of traumas together. We've We've been on a journey like a family that stayed together, um, being very resilient for a long number of years. And whilst all my friends, including my own family, said, shut it down, Danielle, shut it down. What are you doing? Mm. I said no. So what we did is one village only out of the five that we had could continue coming to work because They could enter the building one at a time and nobody could see where they were going. So nobody knew that another person was in there and only 10 people could fit that they could be. I was quite strict that they had to be five metres apart because we rent buildings. So they couldn't come and go at the same time. They had to sit a long way apart. But they were really, really thrilled to actually have that social contact and not be the husband's servant basically for the whole day either. Mm, mm -hmm. So through the years, we were a certified B Corp and believe in no wastage. So we had kept every thread that was longer than 10 to 15 centimetres. And we just had this big mess of bags. Anybody else would throw it out thinking it's a whole lot of what's this chuck. Mm -hmm. But I had these ladies sit there and... For months, they sat there every day, knotting, did a double knot, joined all those together and we made balls. And then we knitted them into our scrap yarn range of jumpers 
So when we reopened, we offered brands. We don't sell yarn, but all of a sudden we had yarn. And I explained mm. the story and the brands, really big, well-known brands said, knit us 150 jumpers out of that. Knit us mm. 500 jumpers out of that. So we had a, a lot of balls of scrap yarn. <laughs> a lot, lot, lot. Um, and we still got some there. And that's what we did. And so then obviously things changed and lifted and we grew back up. What I love about that particular story is not just that you were able to keep those women on and they were able to knot the, the yarn together, but I'm guessing that there was um, a lot of uptake of that particular range because of the story behind it. Absolutely. So good, so good. Danielle, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. It's been fantastic to hear the way that um, that you've built your team. I love the way that you've described culture to us. I think that culture is just such a an important piece of us as business owners because we are changing the lives of people every single day. And as I've mentioned many times in this podcast, a lot of times we can get caught into just having the perception of we're changing our clients but really we're changing the lives of our team members as well and that to bring that culture in and to know that those women are you know not being abused at home that they have money to look after themselves that they're able to send their children to school and be well educated is just such an amazing thing and and it's not to be taken lightly yeah thank you for acknowledging that and i'll go further to say that if you grow and change your own team and look after your own culture first the culture and your clients will grow more rather than focusing the other way. It's a bit like a family. If they have a tight family and respect what goes on in four walls, what goes on outside will be much stronger and healthier. And mm. um, one of the things, um, Samantha, that probably should be made articulate when it comes to building strong cultures is the way that we've solved when the ladies have questions you know, they'd come to me and say, what do you do about this? What do they do about this? You know, the mainstream world calls them problems. So I realized that when the girls get stuck and they ask me questions, that it's like when you raise your children, you want them to be independent in the world without you. And for as long as I answered those questions, they would remain dependent on me. So my aim was always to make staff independent. So when they have a question, they know now automatically without me, they get together with six people. They go around the circle and everybody gives different answers for what to do. And when I was there and facilitating it, I would say, so are you right now? Do you know what to do? And they'd say, yes, thank you. Mm. So that's probably the one thing that we've done that's put us over and beyond any other staff culture that's helped them bond together because they need each other to move on in life. So it's like when they get stuck, that's how they unstick themselves, whether it's a family situation or a work situation. Love it so much. So much value in this episode. Thank you for sharing everything that you have, Danielle. Pleasure. 
congratulations on all of your successes and i'm so glad that your business is up and running and uh everything is heading back in the right direction i know <laughs> it's not quite there yet but but we're heading in the right direction <laughs> thanks samantha Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Influence by Design podcast. If you want more, head over to samanthariley.global forward slash podcast for the show notes and links to today's gifts and sponsors. And if you're looking to connect with other coaches and experts who are growing and scaling their business too, come and join the Coaches Course Creators and Speakers group on Facebook. The links are all waiting for you over at samanthariley.global.